been close to me. Uh, we, we are to be a light as individuals and as the church. Uh, to be, you know, as the song says, let the lower lights be burning. We're not, individually, we're not the, the big lighthouse, but we are a light. And in a dark world, one light can be a big thing. Um, so that, that is, should be our goal. Uh, I wanted to start tonight reading in 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, I wanted to ask a question, one that was recently brought up at our assembly. Is, uh, does God recognize us as his people? Uh, and that, that question was brought up in a, a lesson a while back, and it really made me stop and think. Does God recognize us? Uh, there's many groups of Christians, and it seems there's almost as many groups of Baptists. And what's the difference? Uh, why are there so many groups? Does God recognize each of those groups? Does God recognize us? Uh, so we're going to look at what, what does God tell us to do? And I apologize in advance for the baby. He likes to share his voice too. <laughs> we're going to start here in verse 1 of First uh, Peter chapter 2. He says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that, the Lord is gracious. And point out here the pure milk. Uh, you know, what is, where do you get the pure source from? If you're talking about milk, it's typically from the animal. Uh, cow, goat. Uh, but the milk of the word is from the Bible, his word. There's many different commentaries and writings, and uh, some of those things are good, but you need to be careful uh, that we stick with the pure milk. Verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a royal priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you, now you think who this letter is written to, it's written to God's people. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, verse 9 one is there where we want to look at. Uh, he's talking to us, God's people today, the people who are serving him. We are chosen. We are a royal generation. If you have the King James, I believe it says, to be a peculiar people. Um, we're to be different. We're to stand out. We're not to be, to blend in with the world. So, you know, when we go to work or we're even as simple as at the grocery store, how do we stand out? How do we distinguish ourselves? Uh, it's, it's interesting to me, uh, being in the, the workforce, 
I've been at my place of employment for eight years now, and I have uh, people know things about me that I didn't tell. I didn't go out advertising. Uh, one of the things in my case is uh, that I don't use profanity. And people just have learned that over time, not because I say, hey, I don't swear, because I don't swear. And then they see that, and so they don't want to do that around me. Um, that's just one example. We can do many different ways. Uh, one of our brethren likes to say, when you're at the grocery store and you have your arms full and are walking out of the store and somebody needs a helping hand or an encouraging word, do we stop and give that encouraging word? It doesn't matter that our hands are full. Uh, we're put there in that moment to help someone. So we are to be special. We are special. God has called us to be special. Uh, let's go over to Matthew chapter 5. And this interesting to me here that this, the special was saying, and I already had these verses written down uh, about light, but uh, it just proves to you God knows what he's doing and puts everything together. But uh, Matthew chapter 5, we'll start in verse um, 13. Uh, Jesus is speaking here, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the salt of the earth. He's speaking to his disciples. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. As we know, a salt is a preservative. God's people are here to preserve the earth. He goes on here in verse 14 to say, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So God has given us a light, and we are to let it shine. Uh, we use, here in this room, we're using fluorescent lights today, but uh, back then you know, they typically had a lamp or uh, some kind of candle set up, and you would put it up high so that the light would be cast around uh, and everybody could see it wasn't hidden that's how we are to be i like to think of the example of a lighthouse uh, especially one of the original lighthouses they had a light or a series of lights then the lights were then magnified if the glass was kept clean somebody had to keep the glass clean we can be that little light and god will magnify our light by those around us or through another way but somebody's still got to keep the glass clean and whose job is that so it's our job we have to keep the light burning keep the glass clean and god will allow it to shine if we allow it to be all soot covered there's no light even if the light is shining nobody else can see it it's like putting it under a under a basket what good is that light uh, let's go over to john chapter 8 And uh, we'll start here in verse 12. Uh, in this instance, Jesus was uh, brought a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And they were trying to catch Jesus and get him to do something here. Um, and he told them in verse uh, 7, that he who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. According to the law, 
somebody caught in the act of adultery was to be stoned. Uh, so he said, you who don't have sin, go ahead and start. Um, and nobody did, and he then let the woman go, as we read on to verses 10 and 11. But I want to read verse 12 here. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So it tells us Jesus is the light. Uh, he declared himself to be the light, and he is the light. Uh, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So are we following him? Are we in the light? Are we in the, the lit path? Uh, that's something we have to answer individually on our own. Uh, and I, I think one thing we need to be careful of is looking at all these other groups, Baptist groups in particular, but uh, Christian groups, uh, not to worry so much about each of them and what they profess, but for us to be in the truth. If we believe in the truth and practice in the truth, our light will reach them. Uh, over to chapter 9, staying in John. Uh, Jesus here, we'll start in verse 1 here, chapter 9. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And he went on and uh, healed this man. Uh, let's turn over to chapter 12, again staying in John. Uh, we'll read verse 35 and 36 in chapter 12. Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. So we're reading these to establish that Jesus is the light. Uh, at this, this point in time, he was there on the earth with the disciples, and uh, he was warning them that he was going to be taken away soon. Uh, I particularly like verse 36, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Uh, the church now today has the light, or uh, some say the candlestick or the lampstand. Uh, the church is together to be spreading this light and uh, making new disciples or sons of light, sons and daughters. Uh, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to have a bit of a long reading here. We'll start in verse 1, chapter 5. This is, of course, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. I'll stop at that verse for a minute. Be imitators of God as children imitate their parents. Children copy 
nearly everything their parents do. I'm learning that every day, it seems. Uh, you have to be careful with what you do and say, because kids will then repeat it in not the best time. Uh, so as our children copy us, we should be copying God. And how is God? You know, what, what are the things that God does or Jesus did? Uh, you know, I, this phrase is uh, inappropriately used and overused in many different areas and times, but what would Jesus do? Uh, if you take a given situation that you're faced with on a certain day, that you have to make a decision. Well, what decision would Jesus make here? Um, we think about it, we'll come to the right decision. Sometimes we realize that Jesus would never have allowed himself to be put in this situation. And then we have to remedy that as quick as possible. But uh, thinking about what Jesus would do, what Jesus would want us to do, I think is an easy way to help make a tough decision. Um, and sometimes we don't like to acknowledge to ourselves because what we want to do isn't what Jesus would do. But uh, anyways, we'll continue on in our reading. Verse 2, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. These things are, uh, we have to watch what we say. Uh, all uncleanness, um, filthiness, foolish talking. Uh, you could say those aren't, I'm not doing anything wrong. Maybe I think I'm being silly. Um, but, we're told to not even do these things. It goes on here to tell us in verse 5, it says, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That's scary. If we practice any of these things, we will have no inheritance. It says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So we're not even to be partakers with people who engage in these types of activities. For once, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we are to be walking as children of light. Um, think of it, what would a child of light be doing? A child of light would be Spreading more light. Uh, spreading more light in the wake of the big light. Uh, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So we are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We are to expose them. Uh, being someone who has 
raised in the church, um, attended regularly. To me, these things are more things that are inside the church. Uh, I know that you could interpret this a different way, but this is a letter written to a church. He's talking about, in my opinion here, he's talking about unfruitful works of darkness in one of God's churches. We're to be very, very careful with these things because they can creep into our churches and our assemblies. And uh, we have to expose them, as he says here. Um, darkness creeps in. And it, it happens easily. Um, you could watch, if one light bulb burned out, how many people would notice? Maybe not many. Two light bulbs burned out, well, maybe some people would start to notice. And as it goes on, if you let it go, pretty soon the whole room is dark or it's barely lit. And you have evil things happening in the corners because they're not seen. Uh, we're to, we are to keep things bright, keep the light shining, even in our own churches, also in our lives. Uh, let's go over to Philippians uh, chapter 2. And uh, we'll start here in verse 12. Again, this is one of Paul's writings. He says, Therefore, my beloved, have you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Going back to verse 14 here, do all things without complaining and disputing. I think this is one of the ways things can creep into the church. Be uh, asked to do something and maybe not make a big deal about it, but mumble under your breath and a person or two around you hears. You're creating darkness. You're not shining light. Uh, Verse 15 says that you may become blameless and harmless. So if we're doing these things, we're not blameless and we're not harmless. If we're grumbling and moaning, complaining and disputing, it says here, we're now able to be blamed. Uh, we're causing problems. Uh, note here, it says at this time, this letter to the Philippians was written and he mentions in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Now this was 2,000 years ago, close to it. How different is that today? How much more crooked or perverse are, is the world today? Uh, it's an easy answer. So we are to be even more about the business of shining a light, uh, making sure the church is a good lighthouse, making sure that we, the lower lights, are lit. And we're burning. Uh, when the power goes out, our light doesn't go out. 
we stay on. Uh, I'll stop there. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you. And uh, again, thanks for assembling on short notice here. Uh, It's good to see you, and we look forward to more fellowship. Well, if you will, this morning, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians again. We're continuing on through 1 Corinthians. We're looking at chapter 3 this morning. And we'll start there in verse 1 of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, you are, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am Paul, and another, of, I am of Apollos, are ye not car- carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers to by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos is watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, and ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as to wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and yet another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundations can no land lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon his foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide while he hath buildeth thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as so by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth among you? If any man defile the temple of God, Him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself, if any man among you seemeth to be wise in in this world, let him become as a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, and they are vain. Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. So, Brother Paul goes back at the beginning of this uh, chapter here, at chapter 3, and, and mentions that he's speaking to them as, what, as carnal. Why? Why? He says, I have fed you milk and not meat. Hitherto you are not able to bear it. Neither ye 
now are ye able. So, what, what was the problem here? Well, we go back to chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, and we find the same thing mentioned there in verses 10 through 17. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye are speak to speak the same things, that ye be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me, of you, my brethren, by which are of the household of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius. Lest any of you should say that I baptized in mine own name, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me to bat- not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So there was some division there. There were some that were saying they were of Apollos, some saying they were of Paul. Of course, some said they were of Cephas there, as we read. But what was the point? He's saying, I'm feeding you now with milk because you cannot, you can't comprehend it. You're not understanding that You've got to get past this part for us to progress and have the wisdom of God. We are not to be carnally minded, which is flesh-minded here in the body of Christ. We're to put that flesh man to death when we're baptized. But he says there, For ye yet are carnal, for whereas it is among you envying, strife, divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? And then he goes on, he says, we talk about, I'm of, Apo- I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Why? Those are the divisions there amongst that assembly there that were mentioned. And Brother Paul was trying to get a point across. That's not the important thing. I'm not the leader, and neither is Apollos. But who is? Christ was the head. That was the point he was trying to get, get into their heads there. They're laborers. They're not, they're not God. He says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, and ye are God's building. Well, we are. We, it talks about those of us that are in the Lord. We're the vine. And who's, who's, the, who's the head of that vine? Jesus. So we have a responsibility to recognize that it is not men that lead us. It is the Lord. And those men that lead us are are but vessels. We talk about being servants of the Lord. Well, a pastor is a servant to the church. And we're all servants one of another. We're all bond servants in Christ. So not one of us have a status above another. But who has the status? That's Christ. That's God. Those They're exalted above us. 
He says, you're God's husbandry. We're the work. (laughs) We're God's building. We are the building. The people that are gathered here. He says, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Why is that important? We can build a lot of useless things on top of what the Lord has given us, can't we? If I do something of my own accord and I build it and I'm not a very good construction worker, this is we're talking in layman's terms here. If I go out and I build a brick structure right now, There is no way I'm going to build a good brick structure because I know nothing about construction. Poor brother Tony, he's seen that. (laughs) We were trying to start the lawnmower last Saturday. He's like, spraying that hole. And I sprayed in the engine. And he's like, no, that hole. (laughs) So we have to be careful what we build upon and what we do. Why? Well, with Christ is the foundation. If we're building it properly, it's spiritual in nature. She is raring to go this morning. But it is what we build upon the foundation of Christ that matters. Are we building with spiritual material? Are we building with flesh material? He talks about wood, hay, stubble. Those things go up in a, a snuff. They cause, they can't stand and endure the elements. They can't endure fire. They can't endure flood. They're swept away or burnt, aren't they? So he says, Now if any man buildeth upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. What's fire? Fire symbolic of judgment. So what are we using to build upon the foundation of Christ? Is it worthless stuff or is it good stuff? I was talking to Brother Gary last night. I'm, I'm always picking on Brother Gary because he and I have good conversations. And I told him, I said, you know, what I do affects you. I said, you're in my household right now. I said, you're visiting me. I said, I got onto my dog last night because my dog didn't listen to me. And I said, go sit down. Donna was at the store. It was just Gary and and Jubilee and I and Watson. And Watson chased after the cat. And I said, no, you go lay down, bad dog. So he goes and runs to the couch and he looks at me. But instead of him, I said, come here, let me and he runs away from me. I said, no, come here. So I got him and I put him on the couch. I said, no, don't you get up. Bad dog. Gary witnesses probably what, two or three times. And I told Gary, I said, you know, I said, I'm responsible for those under my roof. I said, her, th- those two girls right there. I said, and anybody that comes underneath my, my roof and I'm, I'm an example of how the Lord should, fun- how, how we should function as the Lord's people. Said if I commence to beating my dog, I said, what is that going to prove to my daughter? <laughs> I said, and I don't, 
explain it or I don't, you know, exercise some restraint and some calm. I said, my daughter's going to be scared of me. Do you think she's going to listen to what I have to say after that? Probably not. Do you think the dog's going to listen to me? Probably not. The dog's going to even be even more scared of me than he was before that happened. It doesn't take much for Watson to be scared of me. I'm, I'm a guy. He's attached to Donna. So, But I said, and then not only that, but whoever's under my roof that witnesses that doesn't have any trust for me at that point because they can't believe it. What I, you know, and I believe that I'm concerned with the well-being of those under my roof. I said, so I'm responsible for how I conduct myself because those that see it are going to know the proof of my service to the Lord. So it's how I build upon my service to the Lord. Am I submitting myself to the Lord or am I submitting myself to Tyler, <laughs> you know, to do what I want to do? So we have to be able to establish the foundation there properly and build on it. Why? Because if not, it's going to be tested with fire. It's going to be tested with judgment. Like you said this morning, the Lord knows. He judges our intents, even our thoughts and intents. He knows what's going on, whether we do something, what our motives are. And we have to give an account for that. I would rather that my stuff that I've done not be burnt to the ground to have nothing to, to speak of that I've done for the Lord's service. But that's our, our responsibility. And I've talked about this before. If we're members one of another, what we're made of, one of us is out of sync or one of us is decaying, what happens? It makes the rest, rest of the structure not as strong and prone to destruction or prone to harm. So... The point he got across there to them was, hey, you have got to move beyond this. This is this is not important. These divisions that you have, you've got to get rid of them. Because the Lord's supposed to be doing the work through you and through us. And he says, We're not we're not any higher than you than one another. We're fellow workers. We work together. So then he goes on to talk about this building up, and then he talks about the temple of God there in verse 16. It says, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now there are two applications here, I see. God is not confusing here in what he's dealing with here. We have a responsibility that we represent the temple of God and the new covenant. Okay. We also have a duty to take care of our own physical bodies for whatever, you know, for the reason of being good witnesses and good examples to others. But particularly this scripture is talking about if a demand defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. If I do things to destroy this body here, this gathering of people, I'm responsible, just as any one of us are in here. Excuse me. 
I think Paul wasn't changing the message here from verse one to there. If any one of those men used that to, to build on their own ministry and not that which the Lord had set up, then they're responsible for it if it destroys the body. So you see the, the, the intent and the message there. Our foundation is Christ. If any of these men that build upon it, if they're, they seek to destroy it, then, then they're responsible. We're all responsible one for another. The scripture tells us that. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. We're all familiar with this particular passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. We'll start there. It says, Beware of false prophets which come in you as in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Yea, ye shall know that them by their fruits do men gather grapes of thorns or thistles of uh, figs of thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither the corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but even he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which buildeth his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat the house, and it fell not. For it was on a foundation upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended this saying, the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So, being mindful of how we build, where we build. He talks about false prophets being deceptive in what they teach and the fruits they produce. It doesn't take much for us to know when something is not good, does it? it, it the fruits prove it. The, the, the product of what, what a person's saying or what they're doing proves it yet itself over and over again. If we're in tune with the scripture, if we're in tune with the Lord and we're reading these things and studying, we can see those things clearly, can't we? It doesn't take much. I told you about the conversation I had with the with the missionary a couple weeks back. That conversation's fruit turned up real quick, didn't it? That conversation ended in less than 15 minutes. <laughs> All over a series of questions just to kind of understand what, what the intent was, what the motive was wasn't that I wanted to put him in the firing squad. It's what I wanted, I wanted to see what, 
what truth he come bearing. Was it the Lord's truth or was it some other version of it? And guess what? He ceased the communication right then because he knew that we were different and he didn't want to be different. Which was sad because I wanted to continue the conversation and maybe share with him some things that he didn't know. Maybe the Lord would work through that. And maybe it, maybe it still is going that way. And we've all have seen, seen instances where we've seen people come in the name of the Lord and they sow seeds of destruction. And typically it doesn't take long before you figure out that that person is their own undoing. I've witnessed that in some former, former pastors that I've known that are no longer serving the Lord because they went after some other doctrine. Because the Lord's, they didn't, they didn't find what they needed in the scripture. They weren't willing to submit to it. But they also destroyed, almost destroyed the faith of some other people. And there will be reckoning for that. So let's turn back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Looking back at these last couple of verses here. So if the church is the temple of the living God, if we are we are the building that he talked about, and his spirit dwells in our midst, if any man defiles it, this it says God will destroy. That did this work. As the corporate body, you and I, we're what makes up the body or the church. Which requires us humility and subservience to God. And how we conduct ourselves towards one another, being examples to one another and those outside. It is not for us to follow our own will or impose our own will, but that of which the Lord tells us to do. Because following after the flesh produces a totally different set of produce. Lust, pride, anger, malice, envy, those things which we read over in Ephesians. By doing those things, we endanger not only ourselves, but those around us. So it says, let no man deceive himself there in verse 18. If any man among you seems to be wise in, his, in this world, let him become as a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in, his own, in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth those thoughts of the wise and that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul, Apollo, Cephas, or the world, or life or death, or things present or things past, all are yours. And ye are Christ and Christ and God's. So, these things are, are, not, are not of our own doing. We are serving the Lord. What is our status? Are we promoting life? Or are we promoting death? 
Are we participating as co-heirs in Christ? Being responsible to do the proper work of God? Those things which he mentioned back over there in the first part of chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and over in chapter 1, verses 10 through 17. Those divisions, those things that we have should not exist amongst our number because we are responsible one to another. And not one of us are higher than each other. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3. <coughs> Verses 1 through 5 there is what we'll read. It says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as others... Excuse me, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered, to us, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in flesh tables of the heart. And such trust that we through Christ to Godward not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. We are ministers of the New Testament. I mean, that's, that's what it's talking about here. It's talking about the church of Corinth, but we're the church as well. He says, and that verse one, he says, and begin again to commend ourselves, nor need we as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Do we give witness to our God? Do we testify to these things? Or do we go back to the beginning over there in 1 Corinthians where we're, caught up in ourselves and we're not able to move past those elementary things and, and move on to the meat of the word. But he says there, we're not tablets of stone, which it's written on, it's the tablet of men's hearts. He says, in such trust that we have through Christ to Godward, that, not, that we are sufficient of ourselves in thinking anything among us our, of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. That's a huge change from 1 Corinthians to 2 Corinthians, don't you think? The encouragement there was, was heated, it seems. They were encouraged to move past the problems, the infighting that they had. And they were able to be what? Molded and mended into one body, the body of Christ. To be a sufficient example to others. Why? Because they realize the sufficiency of God in Christ. And that, guess what? They're able to be ministers unto those who hear it. it wasn't just in the word spoken, but it was also in the actions that they, that they produced as a result of that belief. He says what? Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life.
So what is it that we have to do as, as laboring for the Lord, being the temple of the Lord, the church? It's not of ourselves, but it is of God. So maybe we should recognize the things that we do in our own lives that do not promote this lifestyle. That's what Paul's teaching was uh, teaching was here in this first letter here to the church at Corinth. It was so that they could overcome the, the struggles and the, the flesh that they had. The fighting and the issues that they had amongst one another. Following this person or that person. Being careful not to follow the men or a man, but to follow Christ. And realize that we are the work and we are not the master. That we subject ourselves to God through the teachings and the, and the gospel of Christ. So that what our foundation might be more provable than if it was established by the flesh. Which produces nothing of itself. That's all I have for you this morning. Thank you for your attention and hope this was encouraging to you as it was to me.